Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Artfully Yours by Joanna Lowell. This was just published in 2023 and is the third book in the Duke Undone series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary arc of this book. And it is not a spoiler to say uh, we have our first non-Duke. In this series? Yeah. No, second book, there's no Duke. He wasn't a Duke. Oh, she was a Duchess. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, he wasn't a Duke, but she was a Duchess. So there fair. is no Duke Dumb held yes. by either of the individuals. <laughs> no Duke Dumb at play. <laughs> and I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this is our favorite of the series. Yes. And I do think it's interesting that they're just calling it the Duke Undone series now. Because when we when we reviewed the Duke Undone, we knew it was the first in a series, but on Goodreads it just said untitled, which at the time I was like, oh, that's like such a cheeky name for a, a series about art and art critics. Yep. <laughs> but no, sadly, they I think they just couldn't come up with the name. So they're like, well, we'll just call it the Duke Undone series. Which, hey, as long as you remember the first book, at least it's easy to remember. <laughs> did we remember the first book once the characters from that book appeared on page i was very well aware you that i read the first two yes all right well what is this book about lane shall we read the book jacket i think so nina finch isn't suited for a life of crime raised by her art forger brother she can paint like botticelli but she'd so much rather be baking gooseberry tarts she finally has the money she needs to open her own bakery. Unfortunately, her brother's carelessness lands her and their forgeries directly under the nose of London's most discerning art critic, Alan Duath. Duath knows the paintings are fake. He doesn't know that Nina had a hand in their creation. In fact, he offers her a job in his household. Accepting it is the most dangerous thing she has ever done. Alan takes pride in seeing things other people miss. He plans to catch the forger and cement his reputation. There's only one problem. The closer he gets to the beguiling woman he hired, the less he trusts his perspective. Nina isn't what she seems, but despite their false start, she just might hold the real key to his heart. As Nina and Alan's attraction grows, divided loyalties threaten to pull them apart and shatter their worlds. They'll lose everything, or discover how powerful true love can be. You know, this is fine, honestly. I have no issues with this book jacket. I also really like the part where it talks about his perspective. Because that was a very interesting part of the book. And I think it's approached very delicately here and in a in a good way. Absolutely. My only critique is so minor as if to be nitpicky. Nina's preferred style is very not Baroque <laughs> or Renaissance. It's very naturalist. And so I just think it's really interesting that clearly with the jacket they were going for, like a big name in art everyone would recognize. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's very interesting that she was the most deft hand at like pastoral Mm -hmm. art which you can't get much less pastoral than Botticelli yeah but I mean she can paint like Botticelli her brother her brother trained her 
to very forage well. whatever. But I just exactly. I, th yeah. I thought that was very interesting. I thought the type of art she gravitated toward was a huge insight into her character. Oh, absolutely. And it was very much not Botticelli. Yes. Well, I was extremely excited about this book because we have had a real dearth of Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit workouts recently. Everyone's just been real hot. With, everyone's no. just been real hot with no context. No explanation. We don't know. But we, Alan, <laughs> Alan is this like juxtaposition of like not hot because he's got these giant mutton chops and like glasses and spectacles and he like dresses kind of flamboyantly, but also very hot because he's like built. He's a douchey hipster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he is. He's very <laughs> deliberately cultivating a like unattractive aesthetic. But to present as more bohemian than the fact that he's fucking loaded would yes. lead you to believe. Correct. Um, anyway, how did he get his sculpted physique lane? He swims yeah. a lot. He swims a lot. In this book, he swims at night in Hyde Park. As one does. I mean, it was, I, you know what? I, actually trust that Joanna Lowell like did her research and there probably is some swim club that like went to Hyde Park in the Victorian era. I believe it. But it was interesting because I was like, okay, okay. All right. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, as usual, we generated a random number between one and 50. And then we wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. And for this episode, the number we generated was 22. Uh, Lane, take us away. Forgery is clearly a gateway crime to luck picking, theft, and conspiracy. Good thing Alan's there to tempt Nina by not being awful. It's very true. And I know it's terrible, but I actually totally understand these romance heroines who they meet this like one guy who's not a horrible guy. And they fall for him. And I'm like, I kind of get it. Well, and this is not to sell Alan short. He no. seemed genuinely great. But let's be honest. He is the first male figure she has ever had who was just nice to her. Mm -hmm. So yeah. two things can be true. He can be wonderful. And she can also be impressed by not much at all. Mm -hmm. uh, here's my 22 word summary. Nina's brother makes her forge paintings. Now he's making her spy on preeminent and hot art critic Alan. What could happen next? You've never read a romance novel. If I mean, you don't know. What if, you've never, if you've never read a romance novel, maybe you would have a question about what would happen next. But I mean, we know what's going to happen in the end. But how do they get there? That's our real question. Correct. And this one took some twists and turns. It really did. Some things came out earlier than I expected, and some things came out way later than I expected, and I actually think it largely worked. I agree. I thought the way she wove all of the threads together was really good. Without being a conspiracy of coincidences and serendipity. Absolutely. Yep. So tropes... I mean, the main trope is, it's a very historical romance trope, which is she's his servant, but she's only doing it to spy on him. Well, given that we just finished fucking 
Valentine's book. Super fresh in our heads. Yes, there's Val's book. I also just read another recent release that I'm sure we'll talk about soon on the podcast called The Counterfeit Scoundrel. Same exact premise there. I mean, she there's a scene where she is hungry, but not for food. <laughs> she is a sad, tragic orphan. They both have some role fucked up parental dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the second son. Mm-hmm. Who we've seen a lot of uncles who see their nieces and nephews better than the parents do. Mm-hmm. And that gets played with here in a really interesting way. Loved it. I loved it, Lane. I, I did too. So into it. I cannot. I'm like, I was so into it. She has the speed makeover scene because he's got to drag her out in public mm-hmm. unexpectedly. So, of course, they have to get her in a custom made dress that he is just thinking constantly about how to get her out of. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. I don't know. Are there more? The, the the thing that's interesting about Joanna Lowell, and I think she does this in all of her books, is that there's no, there's not like one main trope, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not like, this is a second chance romance, you know, or this is a marriage of convenience. Right. There's just a lot of like plot devices yeah. that are tropey and like things you recognize if you love the genre. Right. Oh, and I think she may be one of the most crippling anything for my brothers. Oh, anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is also very interesting. So we've we have talked about the two previous books in Joanna Lowell series and excuse me, the two previous. Yeah, the two previous. We have talked about the two previous books in Joanna Lowell series, and I think the unifying her unifying theme is that she will take what you think is going to be a bonkers historical romance that in the hands of say Elizabeth Boyle would be like a hilarious farce. And she plays it completely seriously. She can plays it completely straight. She mines as much angst as she can out of every situation. This book does not deviate from that. So, you know, art forger who goes to live with the art critic, like there's no, she's not like, falling all over herself to like point him in the wrong direction or anything like that. Right. That said, I think this is, this is maybe the lightest of the three books, even though it deals with a lot of serious stuff. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. I just want to stress how not light it is. (laughs) This book is not light. I'm just saying if you've read the first two books and you're like, Ooh, she's a little too serious for me. I think this one has the best balance between seriousness and a little bit more levity. Yes. And the content warning section is still packed. Yes, it is. Um, I think it has to do with, I mean, it has to do with a lot of things, but I think one of the biggest is that she has a marmoset. She has a monkey named Fritz who adds a lot of comic relief to the book and needs no one in the previous two books had like a funny little animal sidekick. Yeah. There, there are a lot more moments of humor. Yes. And I think the dynamic between Nina and Alan is a lot funner. 
Yes. Which I think helps when the overriding plot still lacks in some levity. Their yes. moments have plenty of it. Yes. I really liked these two together, actually. I did, too. Loved them. Such a great couple. I totally um, got mm-hmm. why they were into each other. Yes. Beyond just, like, the times and they had, a like, something in common. Like, I really got... Not just what they had in common, but the why they had so much fun together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and when they could both finally be completely open with each other, it was such a relief, I think, for all of us. For, like, yeah. you as the reader, but also for Alan and for Nina. It's this moment where, like, oh, like, it, it's not, like, a scary moment. It's, like, a, it's a moment of relief. There could have been so many more breakups and reconciliations mm-hmm. than there were here. Yep. And while I'm never going to be a fan of a third act breakup, and there is an element of that here, it was so much less angsty than the plot would have could have gone. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. Um, I really liked Alan as a character. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. He also, so he, for me, was serving major shades of Lord Peter Whimsey. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. For, for many reasons. He's, okay, number one, he's way hotter than Lord Peter. Okay. So get that out of the way. But a lot of other things, uh, to me, were very similar. So, Lord Peter's name is Lord Peter Breeden Death Whimsy. Mm-hmm. And Alan chooses his pen name, Death, or Death, right? right? Because it looks like Death. He's the second son of a duke. He's super into this niche field of, like, art criticism, which Lord Peter was, he was super into detective stuff, but he was also super into rare books, <laughs> But even the way Death talks about art criticism in this is very detectival in tone. Yes. So I am a giant Lord Peter Whimsy fan. And so there were all these, for me, elements of, of reference or inspiration from him in Lord Allen. I didn't, I didn't think it was too derivative. I thought it was like... No, no, no. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. Actually, I really liked it in in a fun way so for me it was like oh yeah this is great this is serving me like just reminders of lord peter and like why lord peter is fun and i was like okay lord allen is good too so anyway i liked it he Um, was a really unique character yes a really unique romance hero yes right i feel like in other genres he might not have been quite as unique right but as a romance hero completely sure. agree yeah so i loved that joanna lowell made him almost this like character of a british art critic which is plays into what you were saying that he's basically like he's playing into it himself right right um it, it was great. <laughs> well, and he beyond that, he talks a lot about sort of the masks he wears to get through daily life. Mm-hmm. I thought some of that could have been explored more thoroughly. But on the whole, I thought the fact that he 
turned being an art critic, not just into a career, but a persona, was very in line with his character. Yeah, totally. And I actually really, really liked his argument about art forgery. Yes. Because I have to admit, I personally, I, I I recently watched a documentary about it, actually, about this forger who sold us these things. And I, I won't say it's like a victimless crime, but the victims of the crime are people who are insufferably rich, right? So it's it's like kind of hard to feel bad for them. But Alan makes the point that the, the real victims of this crime are the contemporary artists whose paintings are being devalued because people, instead of wanting to buy like new good art, are buying these old, like fakes of old masters. Right. And I was like, oh, I was like, I, I get this. Like this actually does resonate with me. And I, I understood. I was like, oh, okay, I, I like your, you know, because... She had to come up with a reason to make him being so focused on discovering this art forger, you know, something that's it's not just, I want to find out who this art forger is, right? She did a good job of making it clear that modern contemporary artists were not getting the attention and the resources they deserved because of the competition from the forgeries. And also that all of the people who devoted themselves to identifying authentic old masterworks were largely insufferable dicks. Mm -hmm. So you were simultaneously rooting for him for the, you know, economic reasons he laid out for artists, but also because the people who really gave a shit about the old masters sucked. Yeah. So she, Joanna Lowell did a very good job with that, in my opinion, because it really could have been like, okay, great. Yeah. You're so into like discovering this art forger, you know? Yeah. Like, you just want to ruin this poor guy's life. Just trying to make a living out there. <laughs> um, but it it helped. So I thought that was great. It also helped that Nina wasn't, like, really... She didn't have, like, a philosophical reason for creating these forgeries, you know? And, um, in fact, she never really chose it. No, no. Which we'll talk about when we talk about her brother. Um, but then the the other thing I want to talk about Alan is when he first meets Nina, they he obviously they have no idea that you know she's a forger, right? And or she he has no idea that she's a forger, and she's not she's not trying to like get on his good side either. She's just wants to get out of there. Her brother hasn't told her that she has to like go spy on him yet, right? And she discloses that her dream is that she wants to open a bakery. And he's like, that'd be great. Like, you would be the Mozart of patisserie, of pastry. Mm -hmm. And it just was really nice to see him. Like, he really is accepting of, like, all forms of art. Right. And he does recognize that, like, baking can be an art. Cooking can be an art. I thought that was really nice. Just, like, a really nice note for him as a character. Right. And especially this book doesn't do a whole lot of social commentary beyond the women artists and mm -hmm. a little bit of um suffrage stuff but i thought it was also an interesting commentary because at this time like master chefs were men mm -hmm. and even like the person she intends to buy a bakery from is a man and i thought the unquestioning support of her was one of the things that first made it clear his like 
political inclinations toward equality for women before you saw anything else come on page. Mm-hmm. So he was a great, I loved him as a character. I loved him as a character and as a romance hero. Yes. I really enjoyed it. He was fantastic. Do we want to talk about Nina? I feel like she's, she's not a bad character. Like she's a good character. I liked her. She's just a little more of a conventional romance heroine. Right. She is sort of a victim of her circumstances and she has the relative who's been her caregiver who is simultaneously genuinely a good person who cares about her, but also someone with complicated and selfish motives for keeping her in a box. Mm-hmm. It manifests in unique ways in this book. You know, the specifics may vary, but overall, yeah, she's a heroine we've seen a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. I I think this is, maybe we're getting into content warnings a little early, but I think this is playing into what we've talked about several times before on the podcast as like a, a romance trend, mm-hmm. which is talking about that toxic family of origin and complex relationship with your family. Both of them have some major issues with their family, right? Yes. And on her end, it is, as Lane says, this like mixture of like this, her brother really does love her and really does care about her. He's also kind of a jerk and he's profiting off of her labor and she doesn't get to see her money, you know? So I thought... I thought Lowell did a very good job of showing these complex relationships that you can have with your family. I agreed. You know, and in a a more nuanced way than we're seeing in a lot of books. So a lot of books are taking this on. And I think Lowell did a pretty good job, like on the better end of the books that are doing that right now. Another thing that this book does that a lot of books in modern romance are doing is there's the great aunts character mm-hmm. who are actually lesbians mm-hmm. and even you know sometimes the heroine's very aware and sometimes the heroine's not in this case she was not mm-hmm. i'm getting a little tired of it it's not this is not a critique of joanna lowell because like this is widespread in the genre mm-hmm. but i'm I'd actually love it if some of these great aunts were actually just living with their friends and rejecting like the normative <laughs> romantics, like just as much. I almost think that would be more transgressive now than being like, oh, and they were lesbians and yeah, they did right. find love. And why did you think they didn't? It's just, yeah. I'm ready for this trope to be retired. Yeah. Worst mysterious. There was the, there was the Crimean war and all the men died and we couldn't get married. So anyway. Right. Or like a woman who says there was nobody worth it in this small ass town. Yeah. And I'm very happy with the life I built for myself. Yeah. And I picked my friends over any romance. Like, that would be more fun to me. Yeah. Than, oh, sweetie, you didn't realize we've been fucking in the other room? <laughs> yeah. Um, I did like, so one thing that was, that I really liked about Nina's character was that she is this, like, amazing artist yes she's an artist i she's has an artist technique she's been trained to be an artist by her brother like that's her her greatest skill um but even when because i could have seen this going a different way in the book too because she meets these women artists who like have this women's artist collective whatever and i could have seen the book being like oh i never realized that like i had my own artist's perspective i don't have to do forgery and i can join this women's collective i could have seen the book going that way yeah. 
But Nina's like, I was forced to do this. It's not something I like. Like, I want to bake. That's what I want to do. I thought it was an interesting commentary on if you, like, do the thing you love for work, it becomes work. Mm-hmm. And I also thought it was an interesting... It was interesting for me to think about the fact that she was untrained, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, she only received training from her brother. Mm -hmm. And I think it had something to say about, like, innate talent versus practice. Yes. Like, she didn't really develop her own craft because she was taught by one person and immediately went into foragery. And how baking, she says something at one point to Alan about, like, how they're coming up with a new recipe and a new way of doing mm-hmm. something. And that's her favorite part of it. Like yes. she loves, it's not that she compares baking to painting as an art, but you can see where the like joy and creativity don't manifest for her in painting in the way they do in baking because of the choices her brother made. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I will say that part I thought was also just, super well done and she baked with a lot of people it was like a collection she learned from a lot of different perspectives mm-hmm. i just i thought that was extremely well done mm-hmm. i agree exactly um the only small criticism i have about the text and meg disagrees with me so like your mileage may vary i found it very difficult to follow the dialogue sequences they did not have as many like speech tags as I'm used to seeing. And there were some situations where I couldn't tell if like one character said something, there was a speech tag and then they finished the sentence or if it was a conversation Mm-mm-mm. where like, yeah. it was call and response. Um, it took me out of the story a little bit trying to follow conversations because I had to go back and reread them a couple of times to see who I actually thought was making a point. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, you primarily get, Daft's perspective when Nina's not in the room. So primarily when he's in conversation with his brother or his nephew, mm-hmm. you don't get very much of Nina from Death's perspective. Mm-hmm. And even like when they're separated and Nina walks into the room, it always very quickly changes back to her perspective. Mm-hmm. It struck me how little we were actually getting of her from his perspective. Hmm, interesting, yeah. I don't necessarily know that I thought it was a problem because I do think I understood how he saw her through dialogue and through the moments where he was reflecting on her in those other sequences. But there were a couple of moments where I was like expecting to get it from his point of view and we didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's move into content warnings. There are a lot. We already talked about one that's like a, a little bit of an ambiguous one, which was her relationship with her brother, him being both the, her caregiver and also her emotional manipulator and forcing her into a life of crime, you know, <laughs> but, there are, you know, those things, there are more. So. The big conflict between death and his brother is that his brother received the dukedom, but death received everything that wasn't entailed. Mm-hmm. And that was largely because death was doted upon by his parents because he was a sickly invalid. Twist! This is maybe the first time we've seen Munchausen's by proxy. Like, we've seen a lot of invalids and a lot of people who maybe today we would say have Munchausen syndrome. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time I've seen it by proxy. I believe you. Go, you just talk about it. <laughs> so, so basically, I mean, this is, I don't think a spoiler. Um, because you know from 
pretty early what has happened to Alan because he's looking for proof of it. Mm -hmm. But um, Alan believes that his mother was poisoning him for years to be an invalid, right? Because it got her attention. She got to travel the world looking for cures for him. Um, it got to the point where... And she got to keep him her baby. Right, right, right. That's a that's a good point. Um, so anyway, she would give him pills to like make him better, but then he realized that the pills were actually making him feel worse. Um, there were... I mean, it got to the point... It got really bad, basically. Uh, and it was really interesting to see how it informed... I mean, his whole job is giving his perspective on art, mm -hmm. right? But he's internally always been dealing with this idea. Well, he does not perceive himself as being sick or being an invalid, but his entire family and extended circle does. Like that's that was his identity growing up was he was the sickly kid. And so it's this whole. I got I just loved how it informed his character, like. Now he's like, I'm going to impose my perspective on the art world, right? <laughs> but um, he's also looking at his nephew who is ill. Mm -hmm. But he's like, my family, they don't, they don't know what being ill is really like. They're not treating him the way he should be. They, for him to get better, he needs to do this or that, you know. And his brother's like restricting access to him. Anyway, fascinating aspect of his character. Yes. But really tough to read. Like yes. him reflecting and navigating on like what was the extent of his mother's. Exactly. Abuse. Where did legitimate illness end and her delusion begin? And, you know, his brother is ultimately jealous of him for the attention. Yes. That his mother paid and thinks that it's part of the reason the father favored him. So it's it's all very complicated in the ramifications it has for him in the present beyond the fact that he's got a bum leg. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just it, it just really well integrated into the entire text as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't feel like this thing that that the author was like, oh, I've heard about this. I'm going to like add this in as a little whatever. It It felt really well woven. Yes, I just want to add, though, in addition to, like, Munchausen's being a trigger warning for some people, Alan has a medical issue that people do not believe him about. Mm -hmm. People do not believe his mother could have done this, namely his brother. And, you know, it's sort of, he's got these pains in his leg and nobody can tell him why they happen. Mm -hmm. Like, there is a little bit of, like, medical gaslighting. yes. Like, yes, it is parental gaslighting and abuse, but, like, I know a lot of people who are going through stuff medically and feel mm -hmm. like they're not being seen or heard and no one believes them, and this might be difficult on that front. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the same for him, too. Like, he he knows his mother was complicit or even the driving force behind a lot of his treatments, and he's really wondering, like, what about the doctors? What about the mm -hmm. medical professionals? Were they also complicit? I, I also thought it was interesting that you didn't see anything about him going to doctors to work on his mobility now. Mm -hmm. and I think it's easy to infer that he doesn't trust doctors, but that's never like explicitly on the page. Yeah. 
Okay. Other any other content warnings? I think that's the big stuff. I mean, yep. her mother was questionably mm. a sex worker. Yes. Um, at the very least, she was a mistress to successive men a, for survival. A kept woman, yeah. Um, at, she could also have been more explicitly a sex worker than that. It doesn't get super detailed. No, it doesn't. You, but... you just get a list of dudes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. There, There's more. <laughs> I forgot to mention, her brother went to jail. So her brother went to jail, and he was um, uh, abused by the guards in jail. It yep. wasn't like sexual abuse, but he he exited the he exited prison his time in prison with a disability caused by the guards. Right. So it's terrible to be like, oh yeah, I almost forgot about that one. I mean, this is where we were saying, man, this series does some dark shit. Yep. She's with what not, seems like light plots. She's not afraid to get. She's not afraid to get serious and dark. Yes. Was this book sexy? I thought it was really interesting because the language was not euphemistic. Mm-hmm. She was very direct in a way I really appreciated. But the sex scenes were not like long mm-hmm. or overly detailed. Like you don't mm-hmm. have a question about what's going on. But I don't think it was extremely explicit or sexy. No. I have to say, if of all those content warnings, I'm sure you noticed we didn't mention anything related to the relationship between Alan and Nina. One of the things I really appreciated about their sexual relationship was the focus on consent. So there's a real emphasis on consent, not like, is is what I'm doing okay? Like, say yes, you know, it wasn't anything like that. But there are times where they'll start something and then she'll be like, I cannot continue with this. And he's like, Okay. I mean, for parts of this book, he thinks they're an employer and employee. Less of it than you might think. But, <laughs> like, and, and he's very aware of the power imbalance. And, you know, mm-hmm. he tells her he's got three rules. And one of, he's clearly making them up on the spot. But one of them is, I don't dally with staff. Yeah. Like, setting a boundary from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that whole dynamic. And I agree with you. I think the way consent was handled was not at all ham-fisted but very much appreciated. Yeah. So anyway, just just a lot of things I loved about this book. I thought it was, it was just really captivating as well. Like I read this book probably in like one or two sittings. Yeah. Um, For a book that has so much going on, because there are a lot of moving parts. It was easy to follow, um, super interesting to read. And then I think the characters were really well developed for, well, I mean, for anything, right? But for historical Clearly romance. a successor to the first two books in this series in terms of the thematic elements, the art, all of that. But I think it's really where her specific voice has come together most adeptly. I totally agree. So if you right. like Joanna Lowell, you're really going to like this book. Yes, yes. And if you maybe didn't love the first two books but thought, hmm, there's something interesting here, I think it, this book, like, really gets you there. Totally agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and check us out wherever you can find Plotris.